Would you turn with me to 1 Samuel, the second chapter this morning, and John, the twelfth chapter. 1 Samuel 2 and John 12. We have been talking about in these the last several Sunday mornings the subject of the honor of God. And actually, beginning uh, last Sunday, we started on the topic of how God honors us. So we're still talking about honor, but we're talking about another side of it. How many of you want to honor God with all of your life? You want every part of your life to honor Him. And I don't just want people to notice me. I want them, when they see me, to think about God. Amen? You know, when they see what I have... I want them to say, man, God's blessed him. Amen. Amen. And this is what we do or any good thing that comes out of our life. I want them, when people see our families and they see our things, they look up and go, God's a good God. Look how he's blessed them. Look how faithful he is. God. When you're living properly and your heart is right, then people don't just leave impressed with you. They leave impressed with God in your life. That's what we want. In uh, 1 Samuel, the second chapter, 1 Samuel, chapter 2, and the 30th verse, and the last part of the 30th verse, 1 Samuel 2.30, part B says, For them that honor me, God says, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Let me read it again. The Lord said, them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now this is a law. When God says, you do this and I will do this. Then when you do what he said, what comes next? He will always, without fail, without respect of persons, No matter what, he will do what he told you he would do in response to you. You know, you don't have to work on God to get him to keep his word. You got a lot of people working on God to keep his promises. And that's really wasted motion. You need to work on you to keep the commands. And you won't have to even be concerned about God being faithful to keep his promises. I want to say that again. Are y'all with me? I said, if you will work on keeping the commands, do you have to work on God to keep the promises? No. You do what he told you to do. You can count on it as sure as the sun is shining and the earth is turning. And more sure than that, even though heaven and earth pass away. His word will not fail. He will do what he told you he would do. What if you honor him? He will honor you. Do you think it would be a good thing when he honored you? Would you know it? Oh my. Is his honor worth something? The honor of God. I mean men honoring you is one thing. But God honoring you. That's eternal. People are fickle. Have you noticed it? I mean they think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread one day. Next day they want to tar and feather you and run you out of time. People are fickle. Boy, they change. You know, you remember the blind Bartimaeus crying out for Jesus, you know. 
Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the people said, shut up, shut up, you old beggar. Sit down and be quiet. Don't bother the master. Shut up. Jesus, he wouldn't shut up. (laughs) Don't let somebody quench your faith. Don't let somebody shut you down from your prayer life. Amen. Amen. And from believing God and from vision. And uh, finally, Jesus stopped and said, you bring that man to me. Then what'd they say? Oh, yeah, yeah, get up, get up. Let's dust you up. Hey, Jesus is calling. Yeah, yeah, come on, I'm with you. (laughs) You know, some of the same people 25 years ago that tried to talk me out of going to Bible school are the same ones now that go, oh, man, you did the right thing. Oh, yeah. But they tried to talk me out of it 25 years ago. They said, oh, no, no, you don't need to go way over there. The Holy Ghost is here, and he can teach you. And what do you need to do all that for? And I had to override them. But now they're the ones that pat you on the back and go, oh, boy, you did the right thing. Well, not if I listen to you. That's why you don't need to listen to everybody. You need to obey God. But if you honor God, tell me what happens next. He will honor you. In John 12, do you have your place there? John 12 and verse 26. John 12, 26. Jesus is speaking. He said, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. You know, uh, Abraham, a man of faith, and that's one thing we're talking about on Friday nights. We're talking about faith and examples of faith and how faith operates and works. But Abraham, a man of faith, when he displayed his faith by going out when God told him to leave, not knowing where he was going. And he lived in a tent all his life, even though he was very, very rich, he didn't own property, and he never really had a permanent place. Well, you know, that is typical of yours and my life down here right now. You know, this is not our home. We're passing through. And uh, you don't, you know, I've seen people miss God and miss the will of God over a house and over a place. Well, this is my home. This is my place. Not really. It's where you stay. No, in your heart, you need to always live in a tent. I mean, you might have a nice fine house and you might have a nice place and a nice spread. That's all great. That's all good. I believe in it. But in your heart, you need to live in a tent so that if God wakes you up tonight in the nighttime and says, I want you over here. Amen. Well, then, bless God, we strike the tent. Right. Is that right? Yeah. And we're gone. Amen. 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 The Lord's done that twice in Phyllis's in my life already. Amen. We thought we were home and he said, no, I want you to go over here. <laughs> so we did. And that's the way you need to be. Yep. Amen. Amen. In your heart, living in a tent, ready to go where he says go, or stay where he says stay. Do what he says to do. Because he said, wherever I am, that's where my servant's going to be. 
I'm going to follow the Lord. How about you? If he says Branson is where it's at, that's where I'm going to be at. Amen. If he says uh, such and such place is where you're supposed to be, then for you, that's where he's at. For you. And so then that's where you need to be. Because he said, where I am, that's where my servant's going to be. And the one that serves me, my father is going to honor. Glory to God. And the Lord has already honored this church in a tremendous way, hasn't he? He's honored us with people. He's honored us with money. He's honored us by being able to give to others. He's honored us with such a fine facility and place. He's honored us being able to help uh, host meetings such as we had the past week. Glory to God. He's honoring us. How is he able to honor us? Because we're honoring him. Everybody sit out loud. Lord, help us to honor you much more. Teach us. Lead us. Enable us to honor you much more. Amen. You believe that? That's what we want to do. That's what we will do. Now, we began last week by talking about how God honors us. When you honor him, we said, you know, you honor God and you honor people by how you refer to him and people and how you prefer, how you defer, how you confer. We talked about all those things. Reference, preference, deference, conference, how you show God honor, how you show other people honor. But we began last Sunday talking about how he honors us. And does anybody remember the first thing we talked about? How God honors us? By choosing us. He chose us. Picked us out. Selected us. Go to 1 Corinthians, why don't you? 1 Corinthians, first chapter. How does God honor us? He chose us by choosing us. Now that has a several level application. I mean, he chose us for salvation. He chose us for his family and for his kingdom. But he also chooses us for works in this life. Amen. And that's honoring us. You know, you're blessed this morning, sitting up in here in this padded chair, with clothes on your back. You could be in a bush somewhere, Central Africa, scratching for something to eat. Hmm? You could be behind a wall, dodging bullets somewhere. You could be ignorant, reared up in idol worship all your life and not know of anything else, and out worshiping and praying to some piece of rock. That's never answered a prayer and never will. But you're sitting up in here. Knowing the name of the living God. Amen. You're born again. With a Bible in your hand. Hallelujah. It's not because you were just so wonderful intrinsically on your own. It's because God loved, knew you and loved you before you were ever conceived. And picked you out. And said, that one's mine. Amen. Because he knew you would say yes. He knew you would answer and respond to him. Oh, how blessed we are. I said, oh, how blessed 
We are. We are to be able to just praise God and be thankful all day long. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Pull out onto this paved parking lot and say, thank you, Lord. Amen. How many rode in a car over here this morning? You got a car? You glad about that? It's better than a bicycle. Amen. It's better than a donkey or a wagon. How many slept in a bed last night? Huh? Look at that. How many ate good all week? Are you thankful? Somebody say, oh, I work hard for my money. <laughs> You're ignorant. Of the fact that somebody else is giving you your next breath. Somebody else gave you enough mind to get up out of bed. Somebody gave you the energy and the intelligence and the strength and connections to make a deal. Amen. To to get a contract. To get a job done. To get paid. The scripture says, what do you have that wasn't given to you? What's the answer? Nothing. Let me ask that question again. What do you have that wasn't given to you? Not everybody answered that. Some people looking at me like this. Now, bless God, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. I'm my own man. <laughs> You're an ignorant man. <laughs> and if you don't realize <laughs> who makes the sun shine and who gives you your next heartbeat, you could be a broke man and a dead man. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> Everybody said out loud, I'm God's man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a believe, or man, woman, you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're a believing man and a thankful man. Everybody say, I'm a thankful person. I know where my blessing comes from. Yeah, I'm not dumb. I know. I know. That keeps it coming too when you know. First Corinthians, the first chapter and verse 26. He says, for you see your calling, brothers, 1 Corinthians 1, 26, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, there are some, but not many, are called. But God has what? Chosen, Chosen the foolish things of the world. Did he pick you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to confound the wise. And God has what? Chosen. Chosen the weak things of the world. To confound the things that are mighty. Did he choose you? Did he pick you? And, in other words, and God has chosen the what? Base or lowly things of the world. And he has chosen things which are despised. Has God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Nobody can say it was because I was so wonderful that God picked me. It was because I was so amazing, I was so wise, I was so smart, I was so sharp, I was so good looking and amazing that God could not do without me. (laughs) No, that's ignorance. God purposely selected mostly foolish, 
weak, <laughs> base, despised things that are not. Why? Because he shows up good in us. Amen. Like, uh, you know, I've had cases where people that knew me even before I answered the call for the ministry. And they saw things that happened in our life and things God did for us and things God used us to do. And I've had some of them tell me, they said, man, I knew you back in high school. That has to be God. I said, right, it is. Has to be God. And that's a fact. But what kind of people does God use? Hmm? Not people that know everything. Not people that have everything. People that have a heart for him. People that will say yes to him. People that will obey him. That's the kind of people he uses. And that's the kind of people he shows up really good in. Amen. He does something in you and people look at you and go, I know you're not that smart. How'd that happen? You say, God, God gave me that. Amen. 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 I know you couldn't have figured all that out. I know you. You're not that brilliant. And you go, well, I know it. I know it. But God is and he's in me. Amen. Amen. And he picked me to show up big in and show up good in. And that makes me happy. That makes me glad. I say, yeah, God. And now get this, though. See, if you try to always take credit for stuff, then you're going to disqualify yourself. Now, this I'm going to get into some of these things this morning because it's so important. How many want to be chosen for some big things, too? And some important things. And some things that make a lot of difference in the earth. Well, you have to pass tests from previous assignments and from smaller things. And one of the tests that you must pass is do you give God the glory? Do you give him the credit or do you in subtle and various ways try to take the credit for yourself? Hmm? You know... Uh, let me, I'll just share this with you because it was an unusual thing that happened in my life. From the time I've been, I was, uh, in kindergarten, I've had an ability to get up in front of people and speak and sing. Uh, some little thing happened for kindergarten and they didn't know what to do. And I got a hat and a cane and did Bill Bailey. They got pictures of it. And if anybody would stand still, I'd do Elvis for them. <laughs> and I always, you know, I didn't have a fear of people. And I didn't have a fear of speaking and or singing or playing. I mean, we'd get up in front of people and sing and play. And in school, in junior high. They wanted somebody to do public speaking and parliamentary procedure. Well, they made me the president and I'd take the gavel and, and we won state and we were out in a regional thing and they didn't have anybody to run for their particular area and they didn't know what to do. And on the spur of the moment, I said, I'll run. Amen. And I got up and gave them a speech and they all voted for me <laughs> and I got it. And then when I'm in the ministry, the Lord gave me songs, hundreds of them. And I, I don't read, and so I don't write music I'm talking about, but I'd remember. I would remember 
Hundreds and hundreds of songs. I remember the lyrics. I remember the music. I remember it all. And I'd get up and after some year, just a couple of years in the ministry, teaching healing school every day, I'd get up to teach and be able to quote whole chapters of scripture and just remember verse after verse after, a lot of times, especially after teaching healing school for two or three years, a lot of times I wouldn't even use any notes. I'd just get up and sing songs from memory and quote scriptures from memory. And I'll tell you why I'm telling you this. Because about my third year into the ministry, I was having a real close time with the Lord. And I spent some extra time praying and fasting. And there were some nights I prayed all night long. Not because I was trying to. I just got caught up. And just was so excited. Wouldn't even be tired the next day. I mean just full of God. Just close to Him. And in one of these times. I saw in a time of fellowship with Him. That I did not realize. How dependent on Him I was. I saw that in the spirit. And so I said, Lord, well, show me. I don't want to go around thinking something that's you is just me. Help me. Reveal to me. Give me understanding. I want to honor you. I want to give you the proper glory. I want to acknowledge you right. And I was not prepared for how he answered that prayer. And I'm not encouraging you to pray this way. But the next day I got up and I felt funny. I felt like, for lack of a better word, I felt like the grace on my life had been lifted, had been suspended. Man, I felt bad. I felt awful. I didn't think I wasn't saved, but my ability just didn't seem to be there. I went to the ministry. I'm supposed to teach healing school that morning. I'm supposed to teach prayer school that afternoon and another healing session that afternoon. I'm supposed to do some other things. And here's just an hour or so before I'm supposed to speak. People in there that have needs. And I got to thinking, okay, now what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I couldn't think of anything. And I thought, now come on, Keith, you've done this for years. You know how to do this. And I tried to think. And the best I could do, I couldn't put one scripture with another. I couldn't get them together. I thought, come on now, Keith, you can do this. I thought, well, you'll start singing first. And I played for myself. And I thought, okay, I'll play first. So what will I do? I'll play a song. And I became, actually became frightened some. I couldn't think where to put my fingers on the keys. And it was like the abilities had been suspended. I was like that for three days and nights. I'll never forget it. Phyllis will never forget it. It scared her. Scared me. I had to get somebody else to come do it. I felt like I couldn't hardly get in and out of the door. But I tell you what. After that time. The anointing came back on me. And I was able to remember things. The scriptures and, and everything. And I realized and to this day. Nobody has to tell me. That that was the Lord. So many things that we think. Are just us. That we're born with. It's grace. That God put in you from birth. It's a gift. It's an ability that he's put in you. If he suspended the grace off of you. You couldn't do it. You couldn't find the door. Now the reason I'm saying all this is because. You need to continuously acknowledge. When something goes well for you. When you're able to do something. You need to thank God. Because he graced your life. It was his ability. 
His ideas. There are two, uh, three words that you ought to be saying all the time, all day long, all night long, every day, every week, every time something goes good for you. What do you say? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Everything. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm just smart like that. I can do that. I just have that ability. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's a grace. You even see people that are not even born again that have abilities. They can just do, you know, they can speak or they can write or they can do. That's an ability God gave them and they're prostituting it in the world. Did you hear me? Trying to serve, you know, serving the devil with it. But the devil didn't give it to them and they didn't give it to themselves. God gave it to them to serve him with. And blessed is the man and woman that uses it for that purpose. Glory to God. Everybody said out loud, thank you, Lord. I know where my grace comes from. Would you turn with me to uh, Hebrews 5? And then we're going to go to Luke 14, if you want to find those two places. Hebrews 5 and Luke 14. In Hebrews 5, in the first part of the chapter here, he's talking about high priests. And in verse 4, he says this, Hebrews 5, 4, No man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Who chose Aaron to be the high priest of the people? Was he elected by popular vote? Did Aaron put himself in that position? No. Who picked him? God did. In fact, if you go back and read in Numbers, you'll find that there was a great contention about this. That at one point, the people stood up and said, Now, hey, all the people are holy. Who put Moses and Aaron in charge? And they came before uh, Moses and Aaron and, and tried to rebel and they wanted to overthrow and they wanted to be in charge. And among other things, the Lord said, have every tribe bring a rod to me, a stick. And so they all brought a rod to him and they laid them up before the Lord overnight. And the next morning they came and every rod they pulled, this is the rod for this tribe, this is the rod for this family. And when they got to Aaron's family, it had sprouted branches and budded and blossomed and almonds with no bottom and no top overnight. What was God saying? He was saying, I picked this man and his family. The rest of you, shut up. I picked this man. Honor what I picked. I mean, a miraculous, a sign and a wonder that he had picked. Aaron. Well, Jesus himself, did he appoint himself to be our high priest in this new covenant? Hmm? Read the scripture. Verse 4, no man takes this honor to himself. He that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said to him, you're my son today Have I begotten thee? And he went on to say, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who chose Jesus to be our high priest? 
God the Father. Did Jesus appoint himself? If anybody would ever had a right to appoint himself, it would have been the master. But he did not. And the Bible says no man. Everybody say no man. No man glorifies himself in appointing himself to these positions. Well, that would be true not of just the highest position, but those below it as well. We live in a world where people think that the way to get places is by pushing your way into it. And people quote different things out of the world like their scripture. Well, if you don't toot your own horn, it won't be tooted. It's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. Is that a scripture? That is not a scripture. In fact, that is unscriptural. What does that mean? It's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. It's the person that makes the most noise, pitches the biggest fit, And you know, the sad thing is, you got parents teaching their kids and children from infancy up through adulthood, instead of teaching them the scriptures, teaching them now, you can't just be anybody's doormat. You know, you got to take things. You got to take control. That is not the life of faith. It takes faith to keep your mouth shut and pray about it and believe God to do something for you. Amen? Instead of you piping up. I know uh, my dad was a, uh, I guess you'd call him a deacon, in another church some years ago. Not the one he's involved with now, but a number of years ago. And uh, there'd been a move of God in the church. And several of the people had been filled with the Spirit. And some of the people had not been. And the next Sunday, the pa- after the meeting, the pastor got up and preached against the people being filled. Very hard, very strong. And he just kept on week after week preaching against it, preaching against it, that it wasn't right. Well, as you might imagine, there was major division in the church. And finally, some of the uh, other deacons in the church wanted to come see my dad. And they came, told him, you know, we've had all this we're going to take, you know, and their particular thing, you know, they changed pastor's you know, regularly anyhow, but uh, they were going to put him out and they're going to see if they could. And he told them, he said, now, wait a minute, fellows. He said, have we prayed about this? And he had them all get on the floor with him and they prayed. And he had it in his heart and he told him, he said, and let's turn this over to the Lord. And instead of us getting in it and us trying to do something here, let's believe the Lord to do something. He knows what's right. He brought, you know, we not too long ago, we were saying we thought the Lord brought this man here. Now we're saying we're going to put him out. We need to know what's going on here. And if the Lord did bring him, then the Lord can take him out too. And so he talked to them, I don't know how long, but they finally agreed and they decided to shut up and to quit meddling and to turn it over to the Lord. That takes faith. I said, that takes faith. Amen. Takes faith to do that with your husband. Amen. Takes faith to do that with your wife. Amen. What do you mean, Brother Keith? Shut up and pray and believe God to help them. Amen. A lot of folk have chewed and argued and nagged and fussed and rode for years. Look at the results. It ain't working. Amen. So quit. Let's do something new. 
Let's actually get in faith. Which means you have to be quiet. You understand, if you pray a wonderful prayer and you put it in the Lord's hands, you say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. And then you get upset and you try to get in the middle of it and try to do something that you just took it out of his hands. And you got it back in your hands now and you took it out of the hands of the one that can do something about it and took it into the hands of somebody who can't do anything about it. Big mistake. But it takes faith to be quiet and trust God. Well, it wasn't three weeks. Until the pastor got up and said, you know, I just feel like the Lord is leading me to another place. And y'all pray for me. And all the guys got up and said, well, we love you, bless you. And uh, if that's what you think you should do, okay. And uh, had a big meal and sent him off and everybody was blessed. Isn't that better? Isn't that better than all the fussing and fighting and families divided and Devilish stuff. But it takes faith. Well it takes faith to trust God for your promotion. Instead of putting yourself forward. Instead of trying to impress. And trying to buy your way and smooth your way and be a politician. Hmm? And you know win people over to your side and. All that kind of stuff. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that's the way it's supposed to work. And that's not the way it works here either. Turn with me to Luke 14 if you're holding your place. Who put Jesus in the place of high priest? The Bible goes so far as to even say Jesus did not put himself in that place. He did not glorify even himself. The Father Chose him. Put him in that place. In uh, Luke 14. Are you there? Luke 14. And let's begin in verse 7. Luke 14. 7. Said he put forth a parable to those which were bidden. When he marked how they chose out the chief rooms. And he said to them. This is Luke 14. 7 and 8. Jesus is speaking. When you are bidden of any man to a wedding. Sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable, a more what? Honorable man than you be bidden of him, and he that bade you and him come and say to you, give this man place, and you begin with shame to take the lowest room. That would be embarrassing now, wouldn't it? This happens every day. Applications of this happen every day. Now I don't want anybody to raise any hands. <laughs> I don't want any testimonies on this one. But just look at me with a knowing look. If you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a place where you overstepped yourself and got embarrassed? Hmm? Yeah. All of us have. But let's train ourselves. So that we're aware of situations that we go into and we don't ask for things we shouldn't ask for. And we don't presume things that we shouldn't presume. And we don't put ourselves in places. Because if you honor yourself and try to honor yourself, then you take away the opportunity for people to honor you. I want to say that again. 
If you insist on promoting yourself and pushing yourself forward, then you take away people's opportunity to honor you. The Lord said this to me some years ago. He said, you cannot be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. Did you get that? The Lord said that to me in a time of prayer one time. He said, you cannot be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. We're not saved by anything we deserve. Sometimes you hear people say, well, I just don't understand. What did I ever do to deserve this? You know what the answer to that is? Plenty. Lots. If you and I got what we deserved, have we ever missed it? Have we ever sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? And the wages of sin is death. If you and I got what we deserved, we'd be broke and sick our short, miserable life. We'd die prematurely and go to hell. Let's don't talk about what we deserve. Let's talk about grace. Grace and mercy. How Jesus took what he didn't deserve. Our sin and our punishment. And how that we got what we didn't deserve. Blessing. Grace. Being used. Now the reason I'm camping. and I know this is not popular preaching. I know this. But the reason I'm camping on this and may spend some more time on this is because we live in a generation where people are not taught honor and they're not taught graciousness, even little ones. They're not taught correctly because the parent's whole life revolves around that child. That's wrong. I said, that's wrong. You even hear people say, well, my baby's my whole life. Then Jesus is not. Did you hear me? He is our life. And the reason people say that is because that's the way it is. Well my wife is my whole life. Then Jesus is not. My husband's my whole life. Then Jesus is not. And you're giving them a place in your heart. That only God's supposed to have. And it's a problem. And you take little ones. That the whole family completely revolves around them. Every whimper, every whine, every whim. And if they go, yeah, then everything in the family stops. And they are accommodated. You're setting them up for failure. Because when they get to kindergarten, they think everything's supposed to revolve around them. When they get to elementary school, they think everybody's supposed to curtsy to them and give in to them. And they don't know how to submit and they don't know how to respect others. And the problem is you got people that make it all the way into adulthood. And you got 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds that think that when they walk in the door, the music is supposed to stop and the carpet's supposed to be rolled out. And everything revolves around them. And it's amazing you got people that come and they just assume, you ought to do this for me. Why? Well, you're just supposed to. Who are you? <laughs> I don't know you. What have you done? And they look at you like you slapped them, like, I'm me. (laughs) You're supposed to give me a place. I'm supposed to be your associate. I'm supposed to lead singing. I'm supposed to do this. So you are. God told me. Well, he hadn't talked to me, though. (laughs) And I talk to him regularly. (laughs) 
But there are a number of people, bless their hearts. I had a lady in healing school one time. She came up after the service and she was, you know, you could tell she was used to getting her way. And she came up with a list and she rolled it out. And I'm not joking with you. It almost reached the floor. This list. And she proceeded to tell me that this list was everything I'm supposed to do for her. I'm not making this up. Everything I'm supposed to do for her to make sure that she's completely healed and whole and free. I'm supposed to fast a certain amount of time. I'm supposed to spend X amount of time every day counseling with her. X amount of day praying for her. X amount of time. <laughs> and she kept on going. And finally I said, whoa, whoa, wait, stop. Stop. Look here. Look at me. <laughs> now, I don't deal with everybody like this, but she needed a little jolt. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, sister, I understood that you're coming here to get help from us to be healed. She said, well, yeah, yeah, but this is what I know. You, I said, hey, if you knew so much about it, you wouldn't be here asking us for help. Amen. That's right. Would you now? That's right. He said, well, well, I guess I said, if you know how, then just go and take care of yourself. Amen. I said, now I know how to help you, but you got to do what I tell you to do. You're going to do what I tell you to do. She said, well, I said, you'll sit down and you'll be quiet and you'll listen. And you'll do what we tell you to do or just get up and go somewhere else. Oh, she was mad. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm thinking of other instances right now, too. Somebody else a while back, you know, they, it's amazing. They said, uh, well, now, Brother Keith, we want to come in and hook up. And, boy, you know, you're going to be our pastor. I said, okay, all right, great. And three or four weeks passed, and, you know, and that's something we needed to tell them. And I told them, and, oh, uh, Phyllis had to tell them some things. Oh, that was, they didn't like it. They didn't accept it. Well, you know, if you don't respect people, then you can't receive if you don't respect what somebody called a while back, they wanted a bunch of stuff. And I said, you know, I think you ought to be in the meeting here when the Copelands come here. And I don't tell people that lightly. I don't tell people where I think you ought to be. I'm careful about it. I don't want to abuse my authority in the gospel. But I said, I think you ought to be there. Can you come? They said, well, yeah, I could, you know. I said, well, come on. Come be with us. I, they had gone through some rough times and some things. And I said, uh, the anointing will be there. And you, you want to be in a place where the environment is right for God to minister to you. I said, come be with us. And uh, they didn't want, they want me to spend a day with them. Personally, one-on-one. Why? Now, see, people don't realize it, but that is presumptuous. And it is not honoring. Did you hear me? And a lot of people have grown up with a wrong concept of the whole ministry. I did when I was younger in ministry. I thought my job was just to do whatever anybody asked me to do. If they want me to come, I'm supposed to come. If they want me to do something, I'm supposed to do it. And I about worked myself silly and I wore myself out and wasn't ready for my services. Just jumping when everybody said jump. And I finally realized that's not true. A lot of times people don't even know what they need. Doing what they say is not going to even help them. And so I begin to realize I'm supposed to follow the Lord's direction in helping people. And if they don't respect me enough to listen and show some respect there, then they're not respecting God. And it's going to hinder me from helping them. Presuming. Everybody say presumption. He went on to say, when you're bidden, go and sit down to verse 10 in the lowest room. 
And when he that bade you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then shall you have worship, glory, honor, respect in the presence of them that sit at meet with you. For whoever exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Read that out loud with me, please. Verse 11, read it out loud, please. For whosoever exalts himself, what will happen? He's going to be embarrassed. The person that puts themselves forward, tries to push themselves up. They believe it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. They believe if you don't, he that tooteth not his own horn, it shall not be tooted. <laughs> that is not a scripture. And that is not right. <laughs> well, if I just sit over there and be quiet, people will just run over me and they won't notice me and I won't get anything. You're not living by faith. Pray. Ask the Lord to do with you what he wants to do with you. And realize that if you're not getting noticed in a thing, it may be because you don't need to get noticed in a thing. Well, nobody even knew that I did that. Do they have to know? The Lord knows. Will he forget? No. If people don't notice it down here, you can count on this. You will still get rewarded for it later. The Lord knows. He keeps good books. He will never forget. He knows who really did what. Amen. A lot of things don't come out in this life. A lot of things you don't see and you won't see. But the Lord knows. And that's the most important thing or to be the most important thing to you. Go with me in closing to uh, 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7. And let me read a passage to you that really ministers to me. Oh, it, it just, every time I read it, it makes tears come to my eyes. How, and it really reveals a lot of things about honor. Jesus said, let me just read some things to you while you're finding that. Jesus said, a man can receive nothing except it is given him from heaven. The psalmist said, lift not up your horn on high and speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion comes neither from the east, nor the west, nor from the south, but God is judge. He puts down one and sets up another. Where does our promotion come from? Real promotion. It comes from Him. It comes from the Lord. Does it come from you pushing yourself forward? Trying to be buddy-buddy. Trying to buy your way. You know, we've had cases where people uh, brought offerings and we had to give them back. Because we could tell the heart wasn't right. They're wanting to buy something. They're wanting to buy influence. They're wanting to buy place. And people say, well, you know, if I pay for some seats, does that mean I'll always have a front seat for all the media? No, it does not. <laughs> Absolutely, it does not. We're not buying seats. We're paying for seats so that anybody can sit in them. Amen. No. Well, if I do this, you know, what if I come and paid that off? Would that mean if you say anything else, the answer is no. Amen. <laughs> what do you mean? Ain't no buying here. That's right. No. Amen. It's giving. If you want anything in return for your service or your giving, it is not a gift. That's right. If you want, even if you require acknowledgement, 
If you won't, if you can't be satisfied unless somebody has you stand up and tell you thank you, then you want something. You want acknowledgement. And in that case, it's not a gift anymore. You're trying to buy something. But the person whose heart is right doesn't matter if anybody knows. They do it unto the Lord. And he knows. And their reward is being able to do it. Amen. Being able to do it. Can you say amen? In 2 Samuel 7. We're talking about honor. It's not honorable. To march into a deal. And demand things. And presume things. Give people a chance to honor you. Don't require anything. Don't ask for anything. Don't demand anything. And then if they say, yeah, well, we want you to do this. We want you to do that. Yeah, please come. Well, then you gave them the opening to honor you. Second Samuel 7. David, the king, verse 1 said, he sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. He's in prosperity. He's in safety. And verse 2, the king said to Nathan, the prophet, they're sitting up there in his big fine palace, all his enemies conquered, money in the bank. And he looked at the man of God, the prophet, he said, now look here, see here, I dwell in this house of cedar and the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan said to the king, go, do all that's in your heart for the Lord is with you. It came to pass that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan and said, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shall you build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day I have walked in a tent and a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word in any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people. Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Now therefore, so shall you say to my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people over Israel. Hallelujah. He was following the sheep around. That's where God found him. You know that's where God found me too. Following the cows around. It's true. We had a little dairy farm, a little bitty outfit in my late teens, going out in the morning to get the cows, to bring them in. God spoke to me about this, about serving him. God picked you from somewhere, didn't he? He said, I picked you from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with you wherever you went. I've cut off all your enemies out of your sight and have made you a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. That's the scripture the Lord gave Phyllis and I when we came up here. That he was giving us a place of our own. Isn't that right, Phil? He gave us this scripture right here. He said, I'm giving you a place of your own. And this says move no more. Well, if that's what he wants, it's good for me. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. I like that. 
And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Oh, hallelujah. Now, can you see the principle? What did the Lord say? Them that honor me. Huh? I will honor. David's sitting there in his palace. And he gets to thinking about the things of God and the house of God. He said, the tabernacle doesn't have a nice enough place. You know, I am not satisfied with me having this nice place. And the things of God place is not nice enough. I'm not happy with that. And the man of God said, well, go ahead. Do whatever you got in your heart. God's with you. And yet the Lord spoke to him and said, no. You know, if you read the rest of it, you'll realize he said, no, you're not the one that's going to do it. I'm going to let your son do it. But you can prepare. But you can't do it. But it was good that you had it in your heart. But you want to build me a house, David? God said, I'm going to build you a house. Hallelujah. Now, when the Lord tells you such a thing, how should that affect you? Should you say, well, bless God, I've worked hard enough. I tell you what, it's about time some blessing come on my life. Because I tell you what, I've paid the price, brother. (laughs) I burnt the midnight oil. Other people was playing, I was praying. (laughs) You don't deserve anything. People that talk like that are unworthy of promotion. If you feel you deserve a thing, God cannot be gracious to you. Nothing is owed you in these things. What did this man, a man of honor. How many know King David was a man of honor? And a man after God's own heart, a God of honor. What did he do when God told him such gracious things concerning he and his whole house? When God tells him, I'm going to build you a house. I want you to notice what this man did. He got up, verse 18, and he went and sat before the Lord. Are you with me now? Second Samuel seven eighteen. This great man, this great king, he went in. He got up off his throne. He went in before the Lord. And he sat down in the floor. And he said, Who am I? O Lord God. And what is my house? That you have brought me to this place. In other words, you brought me to where I am now. Do you see why God could use this man? Why God could honor this man. He said and yet this is yet a small thing. In your sight O Lord God. But you have spoken also of your servant's house. For a great while to come. And is this the manner of man O Lord God. What can David say more to you. For you Lord know your servant. For your word's sake. And according to your own heart. Have you done all these great things. To make your servant know them. Wherefore, you are great, O Lord God. There is none like you, neither is there any God besides you. Hallelujah. Can you, I don't just want you to hear the words. Can you see what the man is doing? In the floor. He could have come in with a big entourage. He could have had them set him up a big throne. He goes in there by himself. He sits down in the floor. He says, God, what you have done for me. And mine. Who am I? What is my house? That you picked me out. Of all the other people you could have used. Of all the other people you could have 
picked to do this job. And I'm wanting to do something for you. And you turn around and tell me you're going to build me a house. He said, God, you're so good. Can you see him worshiping God in there on the floor? He's the king. He's in the floor, though. There's a time when you got to forget about getting your knees dirty. Amen. Forget about getting that expense, dirt on that expensive dress. Plop down. Worship. In verse 25, he said, And now, O Lord God, the word that you've spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do what you said. You said you'd do it? I believe it. Do it. And let your name be magnified forever. Saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed to your servant. You said, I'll build you a house. Therefore has your servant found it in his heart to pray this prayer unto you. Now, O Lord God, you are that God. And your words be true. And you promise this goodness to your servant. Therefore, now let it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, has spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. And it is. Is the house of David blessed forever? And of the seed of David has come the Messiah? And will his throne be established forever and ever and ever? What kind of man is this being honored of God? That God would bring the Messiah out of your lineage. That God would use you and your name would be associated with the Most High God throughout eternity. And your honor connected with his honor. How was God able to do this for this man? This man honored God. From out there in the pastures, he honored God. Sang his psalms of hymns and praise when nobody but sheep could hear it. Is that right? No recording contracts, no microphones, and no hot lights. Huh? Out there by the campfire. Believed God when the bear attacked. Believed God when the lion attacked. And as a ruddy youth stood up out there and faced Goliath. Why? Because he couldn't bear to hear God blasphemed out there. And if nobody else is going to be man enough to stand up and do it, though he's a boy, the honor of God burned in him so strong, he said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Nobody talks about God like that. Nobody curses God. He said, let me go. Stood out there and faced that mammoth of a man and said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he will give you into my hand. And he did. He honored God out there that day. He wasn't honoring. He didn't tell them how fast he was. He said, I'm little, but I'm quick. Whoo, watch out. Watch out. I'll get him before he knows. No. Uh, he wasn't depending on his speed. He wasn't depending on his skill. He wasn't depending on his strength. He honored God, and God honored him with a victory. He kept on doing that every year of his life. You know, he messed up with the Bathsheba thing. But other than that, he honored God his whole life long and got so strong in him that he said, I got to do something else for the house of God. And the Lord said, well, you sit still now. I'm going to let your boy do that, but I'm going to build you a house. And at that point, it was just overwhelming grace to his soul. He got up off of his throne. He went out and sat down on the cold floor in front of that in the temple of God. And he said, God. 
what you have done for me. I want you to stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to the Most High God. And now this may be a little inconvenient, but that's all right. I want everybody to get in a position where you can get on your knees. Everybody, step out where you can get on your knees. Kneel down before the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody. I want to lead you in a prayer before the Lord. Everybody said out loud, Father God, thank you so much for picking me, choosing me, my house to bless and to use. Thank you so much. I worship you. I have not earned, I don't deserve the least of your blessings and all your favor, but out of your great goodness, you have had this in your heart before I was born to choose me and to use me to be a blessing to others. I praise you. I give you all the glory. I worship you. And I say, Perform your word for your servant and in your servant's life and get glory to yourself in every part of your servant's life. Hallelujah. Now just worship him a little while. Lord, we worship you. Oh, we magnify you. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. You've been so good to us. So wonderful. So marvelous. So, Lord, you've spared us so many times. You've protected us. You've kept us. You've met our needs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What you've done for us, O Lord. Thank you for giving us this church. Thank you, Lord, for giving us everything we need. We do not lack. We do not want. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving our family. Saving our relatives. Thank you for bringing all our family to a saving knowledge of you. Thank you for protecting all our family. Thank you for prospering all our families. Thank you. Thank you. We worship 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 you. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. What a great God you are. What a great God you are. We worship you. Oh, what a great God. What a gracious God. What a good God. What a faithful Father. Oh, we worship you. Oh, we worship you. Oh, Lord, you've healed me so many times. You've protected and spared my life so many times. You've used me and honored me so many times. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, you are my God, and I do honor you, I do worship you, I honor you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Oh, glory, 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 glory to your holy and wonderful, magnificent name. 
Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.